It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The formal introduction. Hey, everybody. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth, the podcast in which we talk about. About the issues that matter. Welcome. It is Wednesday, the 8th of April. And according to biblical numbers, it's a new beginning. Say new beginning. So hopefully it will be a new beginning for all of us caught up in this COVID crisis. And there's some things we're never going to talk about. Like we're never going to talk about the British Prime Minister who is sick. Frankly, he's not enjoying my sympathies or best wishes because he pursued an aggressive agenda against immigrants of whom I have family members in Great Britain who went there in the 1950s. And according to him, he delegitimized them, right? Because he said they weren't real immigrants. Can you imagine? So my, my, my grandmother's brothers, two of whom went to England in the 1950s and who now have grandchildren and great-grandchildren you're calling a whole four, almost three generations of people illegitimate because you have a political agenda. So no, the British prime minister is not enjoying my sympathies at all. That was just racist to the core. He's not a friend of mine. But it's Wednesday. The sun came out this morning here in Detroit, Michigan. And shout out to my people in Detroit. Hey, Detroit, I love you all so much. And to all of you in Milwaukee who stood in long lines yesterday to vote, despite coronavirus, they asked for a moratorium and they said no. So people still went out and practiced social distance and stood in long lines to vote, and they're still going to vote Democrat. So whatever agenda the Republicans thought they were going to achieve, it didn't happen in Milwaukee yesterday. People still went out and voted. Okay? Shout out to everybody. But I want to give a special warning, and I'm going to ask some cooperation from my brothers and sisters and my sons and daughters in Troy, in Milwaukee, in New Orleans, in Houston, in Dallas, wherever you are. I'm going to ask you to stay home. Please stay home. I know the sun came out in Detroit today, and it's shining, and the sun came out in Ypsilanti, Flint, Saginaw, South Lansing. I know the sun came out, but I'm going to ask you all to stay home. The longer we stay in, is the better it is for all of us. Please, I am already having cabin fever. I haven't been able to go to the mall in a month. It's driving me crazy. That was my weekly self-care remedy, right? And I can't do that. My hair needs to get done, and the beauty supplies and the hairstylists are off, and they're not making house calls because of social distancing. My eyebrows need to get down. I know you're probably thinking people are dying, but I want to focus on the positives, right? And in addition to which, we're losing family. We're losing uh, family members across the spectrum. Just yesterday, I went on my Facebook page, and uh, I can't begin to tell you how it felt just watching the keys just rolling in. I can't begin to tell you. They Actually, if you're on Facebook, there's a page for Detroit COVID-19 Memorial. Look it up. And you will see 
some giants of the community who have fallen. In the Kojic Church, there have been over nine deaths so far of nine church leaders. I kid you not, bishops and elders and superintendents who all went to one funeral and nine people have thus far died. We're talking about in less than a month. We're talking about in the month of March alone. After that one funeral at the end of February, so many people have passed, right? So this is striking home for all of us. Uh, I, I looked at the news yesterday and the Hasidic Jews in, in, in New York, their community is wiped out. The community of Williamsburg is wiped out. That's incredible. And they're, they're defiant because they still are going to mourn. And I I recognize that and empathize on a whole other level. I can't begin to think what it would be like to lose a family member now and can't mourn them. It's part of the closure and you can't mourn them. Funeral homes want to take folks. So they're just like, you can't say goodbye. So you drop them off at the hospital and then you don't get a chance to say goodbye. It's not a good time. So I want to focus on some things that we can do. Like it's sunny. And I'm wearing a pink dress, <laughs> right? I'll post a picture later. But I want, I want us to think thoroughly about these things before we decide to go out and go to the parks. They're showing pictures of people still going in the parks and so on with their children. And people are taking their kids to grocery stores. I get it. It's the cabin fever. I get it. But social distancing, please, everybody. We need to practice social distancing because it's something that we need to recognize that has to happen, right? We have to for each other's sake because we all want to get out of this. I want to feel like I can get out in May. My youngest daughter goes to school, goes to college in a few months, and already they're saying her orientation, her freshman orientation will take place virtually. She's not happy, She's like, why? I didn't get to graduate. I didn't get to walk across the stage. Now college is going to be... She's like, oh, no, we're not going there. We're not going there. And I'm like, oh, my heart aches for her because she was so looking forward to college as part of the adult, the young adult experience, right? Incredible. So today I want to talk about America's farmers. A few weeks ago, I did an, I did a show on farming and how America's farmers, who are integral to our way of life, are overlooked because we're no longer an agrarian society and nobody wants to farm. So we don't pay attention to what farmers are going through. I, I talked about how suicides were high among farmers. And it's kind of like coronavirus is a bad thing, but it's a Hail Mary for the farming community because guess what? Americans, we all went and panicked, bought food. Don't look at me. We all did. Okay. Some of you, I don't know, where you're where you storing that food. Like, you have two refrigerators overflowing. I spoke to one of my cousins the other day. She has two refrigerators and a freezer, and, and she's still shopping. <laughs> and I'm like, I hope you are replenishing. And she's like, yeah, but you can't find anything in the stores. Stuff that I used to take for granted, like frozen veggies, you can't find frozen veggies in the store. The stuff, you know, the frozen foods, I bought some of those. Uh, like frozen pasta dishes. We bought them just in case. We didn't have a choice but to eat that. You can't find that kind of stuff. And stuff like Texas Stowe's frozen bread that you could zip in the oven and so on, you can't find stuff like that. But America's farmers, whom we depend on, do you know that we feed ourselves 
right? And we export food to Canada, right? And a lot of our food is grown in California. That's why Californians are so gung-ho because we're dependent on them. All of, most of our fruits, our strawberries and our fruits and our tomatoes come from California because they have the ideal weather to plant food year-round that can feed the rest of us who are caught up in a frozen tundra like for six months of the year. Here in Michigan, we do plant some of our foods, and we do buy Michigan-based produce and Michigan-grown produce. But how often do we get that? How many months of the year do we get that? Like three months? So we do support Michigan farmers, and typically uh, farmers markets start opening in April, and we enjoy that right through early September when they start closing them after Labor Day, right? Well, we're probably going to suck this year. We probably are going to have a sucky kind of summer. So we rely on farmers in California to produce the food for our country. Well, guess what? The federal government has deemed farming an essential food. But do we all remember that farm workers are the people this administration calls undocumented illegal? Remember that. But they're deemed essential. So they're not getting a stimulus check because many of them only have what is called a taxpayer identification number, right? That means it doesn't give them any. Uh, it doesn't give them any. Uh, it doesn't give them any benefits. They can't. You know, it's not like a legal basis to work. It just means that they work and they're paid and they pay taxes. How is that? You work and pay taxes, but you can't get anything back. Somebody asked, a reporter asked the president yesterday, he said, well, that's kind of like their problem. They came here illegally. That's kind of not like the right thing to say as commander-in-chief. You should show some empathy to people who, who are not as rich as you are. It makes me wonder sometimes if I were to appear before the president, yeah, he would probably dismiss me. He would call me an immigrant from a S-H-I-T-H-O-L-E country, wouldn't he? And he would be dismissive of me as a person, despite my contributions to my community. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, how can you be so evasive and so dismissive of people's issues? These people are working to feed us, the farmers. They're working to feed us. They make sure that there is food in our supermarkets. Right now, if you can, and go to the grocery store, it used to be before this panic buy that you could even buy frozen strawberries, frozen blueberries, right? Didn't we all enjoy that? So if you didn't get a chance to go to the market, it's still fresh. They just pick it out of the ground, pick it off the vine, wash it off, and put it in a, in a vacuum seal it and freeze it so you and I can have frozen veggies throughout the year. One of the things I miss about life and everyday life is going grocery shopping. I miss that terribly. I miss going to the grocery store and just walking through the produce section and being able to buy the fresh produce and so on. I miss that. I really do. I miss going to the grocery store and just seeing everything that I want to buy. I can't, we can't do that now. And now, think about this, y'all. We feed ourselves and we export food to other countries. If farmers are getting sick, how are we going to feed ourselves? We don't have enough food because we panic bought everything. That's what happened with toilet paper, hand towel, paper towel, and sanitizer, hand sanitizer. Whoever thought that we would ever not have disinfecting wipes and Lysol? 
like, I, I still have a few cans of Lysol. I nearly kissed a bottle this morning. I never thought the day would come when I would appreciate having a can of Lysol. Seriously, you guys. Seriously. But here we are. Here we are. We, we, our farmers are deemed they're worthy of our respect and they're worthy of our appreciation. Without them, we don't have any food. Yesterday, I, I made a salad, and I, I was so, you, you have no idea how it felt. I felt like, oh, my God, we still could get some, you know, you could still run. We go to the grocery store, like, early in the morning to get fresh produce because you still need fresh fruit. And I could, you could have, should have seen me. I was washing the lettuce, like, thank you, Jesus. The lettuce and the tomatoes and everything. I, I, my stomach, you know, my tummy felt so happy just to eat it. I'm like, what a luxury, right? To be able, I'm serious. Just think about it. If our farmers get sick, we're screwed. We are going to have a problem because we won't be able to feed ourselves. And that's when the pandemonium will set in. When people go to the grocery stores already, we're being uh, told to social distance, so you have to join a line, and they put up markers where you can go to join the line. So they're already telling us that. We're already practicing that. My cousin lives in, in, in upstate New Jersey and told me that when they went, she, went, she got off work. She's a nurse, so she's on the front line, and she works you know where at night on the front line. And she says when she went to the grocery store after getting off work, she's in her scrubs and everything, and she gets off work, and people were just, like, lined up at Costco around the corner. She was like, I can't do this. They need, you, you know, she was like, she has told her husband, you're going to have to go out there. I can't stand in line, right? If we don't take care of our farmers, how are we going to feed ourselves? We can't afford for farm workers to get sick. Now, the United Farm Workers Union is asking the government for a bailout. The government says, okay, they're going to give them $23.5 billion, right? But the Farm Workers Union are like, can we get some of that money to give the undocumented immigrants who are actually doing the work so that if they get sick, they can stay home for 90 days? One farmer said he can't afford it, but he has to, in other words, he doesn't have the disposable income to keep his 25 farm workers and pay them through the virus if they're sick. But he says he has no choice. He has to do it because he doesn't want his, his produce in the field to, to, to dry up and to lose his crops, right? That's how dire the situation is. So we take it for granted because here in America, we've never had a food shortage, not in our lifetime. The, the generation who went through World War II and survived the Great Depression, they're passing. Right. So we we've never had a food shortage in our lifetime. We don't know what it's like to not to wait on milk to come. We don't know what it's like to wait for a gallon of milk or stand in line and you can only get these much food and this much and this much. We don't know what that is. That's why when they said we were going to shelter in place, everybody took to the stores and bought the thing out and bought out everything because we don't we're not accustomed to shortages. But we all started thinking. What if they shut the place down? So we got to go and buy everything that we could find, right? But we never factored that the people who produce the food and farm the food could get sick. We never factored that. We, it, it's sort of like Mitchell Pogue, say something. You know, you guys are over here on Facebook. Do you see where I'm coming from? Never thought 
that they would, that our farmers would ever not be there. We never thought about that. So I want to say to all the people who jumped all over the stream that they're taking your jobs and that undocumented immigrants are taking your jobs, I want you all to go out in the field and take their jobs. Those are the jobs that undocumented immigrants work. They also work in 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 in, in uh, restaurants. You want to go work for minimum wage? They work in restaurants for 12, 14 hours a day. You want to go do that job? You're not doing that job. When was the last time you walked into a restaurant and saw black and white Americans working as cooks and working as busboys? Almost impossible unless they're young kids going to college or something. Almost impossible to see. Right? But those are the jobs that they work at, that rest of us don't work at. And yet, you have people screaming all day about undocumented immigrants. I want you all to go jump into the fields in California right now and plant some fruit so the rest of us can get to eat. Because right now, they're having issues with COVID. They're getting sick just like everybody else. And if they get sick, what is it going to do? It's going to affect the food supply. The supply chain is going to be disrupted. If the food supply is disrupted, that's the problem. The problem right now is not people going out socializing. That's one thing. They have laws for that. They can impose curfews, and there are other laws that are available to the governors and the city commissioners for them to impose on controlling large groups. But what about when people want food to buy? What about when the baby's sick and you need milk to feed the baby? What about when you need a bowl of cereal? You know how we are. We wake up in the morning, oh, stretch, I'm hungry. Go in the fridge, you pour yourself some milk, pour your cereal into it, you put a bagel in the, in the toaster, boom, breakfast. Or you feel like having bacon and eggs. It never occurred to any of us to wonder who does this. How does it get? You know, the only thing you know is you go to the grocery store and it shows up in your kitchen. But it never occurred to us, how does it get to the grocery store? Now we have to pay attention to that because there are two groups of essential people we should really be honoring right now, apart from the nurses and doctors who are dropping like flies because they're just so tired. They have no protective equipment and they're touching people. Apart from that, the two people we need to worry about now are farmers and the truck drivers. If they get sick, we got a problem. I am saying that with all alacrity, that we need to be more aware and we need to ensure that our farmers are supported, our dairy farmers in Wisconsin and upstate New York. We need to make sure those folks don't get sick and the farm workers who are largely undocumented who work for them. One farmer provides free housing. On, he took 25 acres off his land to provide free housing to his, farm, to his, to his workers. That means he pays the utilities and everything for his workers because it just makes more sense because he operates a year-round farm. Are you listening? We have forgotten about that because we don't want to get our hands dirty because we're too pretty, we're too cute, we're too handsome, and we're too good for working in the dirt. But I'm going to say to you all today, if you have a backyard, you better go buy some seeds at Home Depot. And all of us need to go back and touch that dirt 
and plant tomatoes and peppers so we can feed ourselves. So at least you have some, put it in the freezer when you have an excess so you have something to feed ourselves. I kid you not. Because if you think about it, what's going to happen if farm workers can't farm? What's going to happen? We're just going to be sitting here like, the, you know, like, oh, my God, because who are we going to import food from? The rest of the world whom we sell food to. When we were considering closing our borders, Canada said they couldn't close their borders to America because 75% of their groceries come from here. So they can't close their borders to America. So America is a big country, right? Sea to shining sea to shining sea. So East Coast and West Coast. So Canada is north up there. We have this long border that runs from sea to sea. So for the folks in California, the produce from California goes where north to Vancouver, Canada, and British Columbia. Goes up through uh, uh, Washington and Oregon. And goes up into Vancouver. Then it's distributed across Canada. Do you see where I'm coming from? Over here, they get produce from Florida, goes straight up I-75 to Detroit. And from Detroit, it gets on the bridge or the tunnel and goes straight across into, into Ontario province. So they couldn't close their borders. Produce from New York. And dairy from New York goes where? Straight up through Buffalo into Canada. We feed the world. That, that is not something for us to be pompous about. That's something for us to be conscious about, that we have a responsibility to make sure that we feed ourselves and that we have a duty, a moral duty, to feed the rest of the world. I was talking to, to my relatives in Jamaica because, you know, stuff is just going on all over the place with this COVID virus. And my relative said, she said, you know, she said, we might end up in a problem if this continues into December. And so what do you mean? She said, well, the University of the West Indies, she's a lecturer at the University of the West Indies. She said that the University of the West Indies, I read paper, uh, the scientists produced a paper in which they identified that the COVID virus is going to be a problem for the world until 2021. Here's how it's broken down. I kid you not. When she told me about it, I said, I got to read this for myself. When I read it, according to the scientists at the University of West Indies in Kingdom, Jamaica, according to their report, they said that the virus is going to be here and it's going to resurrect again in August. Then, especially here in the Northern Hemisphere, it's going to resurrect again in the Northern Hemisphere, which is this part of the world, right, in, in December. So it's going to have the same consequences. Then it's going to come back in April, and it won't be until June 2021, which is the projected timeline before they come up with a vaccine, that the world will return to some semblance of normalcy. So the University of the West Indies has taken the unprecedented step to make all of its instructions to its students virtual. They have just determined everything is going to be virtual because bring people back into the classroom is going to do what? Bring back the contact. So I said, well, that's Jamaica. Maybe you guys um, you know, feel that way. But here in America, I'm pretty sure we'll come up with a plan or something. But the, the science and the data kept ringing alarm bells 
in my mind. Because I'm like, science is science, no matter where you are. Then said to myself, but that's what they said. But Michigan State University has said that their orientation for fall semester for incoming freshmen will be virtual. And I said, well, it's the same thing they did. They asked their scientists to give them the data so they can make plants. So I said, so they don't want to alarm us. But there is something afoot. So in other words, what I'm saying is, if we don't stay inside, and if we don't support our farmers, we're probably going to, and this is the thing that my, 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 my sister said. She said, look at it this way. We get, in Jamaica, they get, in her words, get more of her from America. So I said, oh, I never thought about that. She said, yes. Most of their food comes from America. Tourism is shut down. Americans are not traveling. We're not going anywhere. So there's no tourism dollars anywhere in the world right now. She said, so if America coughs, we shudder. So she said, if, if, if there is a problem anywhere, she said, they can expect in Jamaica to have food shortages. And I'm like, well, this is me. Well, here in, in, here in Michigan, we, you know, we can feed ourselves. When I hung up the phone, I said, wait, but don't we have farmers in California? If they get sick, that could affect our food supply. So I dug around on the Internet to find out what other people are thinking. What are the scientists and the social planners thinking? And they came up with this. Do you see what I'm saying? So when you look at this, I know this is cause to think, and you're probably saying, I never thought about that, but that's exactly the point. I never really gave it much thought. All of us right now are like rip-rearing to go to get back to normal and resume some semblance of normalcy so we can forget about this episode, forget about how our lives came to a standstill. Yes, we all want that. But at what risk? At what cost? Should we hurry, go back to normal when we're not quite ready, when the virus is still out there? Because it seems to me that the virus is latent. That means it goes into hiding and it's reactivated after some time. So in other words, what I'm saying is China is busy uh, uh, publishing photos of how life is back to normal. And I'm like, so you're going to kill more people off because the virus is still out there. It's not gone yet. And if it's not gone, those people are going to have it. And then when it gets cooler in a few months, then they're going to get sick again. And then we're going to reopen our borders, all of us, the whole world, because now we are like, oh, I want to go see the rest of the world, blah, blah, blah. And then guess what? You're going to go. I'm saying to all of us that this is a time for all of us to start looking at what is going on. We need to be more conscious. And we need to make noise and give support. And, and, and if at all possible, we need to form cooperatives, even in your neighborhood. You and your neighbors get together and plant something. Your backyard gardening needs to become a thing again. When you have excess tomatoes, put it in a Ziploc bag and put it in the freezer. If you plant fruits, 
put it in a Ziploc bag, you might just have your own food supply just in case of food supply becomes affected. And here's the thing. We are in la-la land, all of us. But the social planners, the people who run our states and who run our government, they're thinking about this. They may not say it publicly, they are thinking. And we are just caught up. Like Madonna said, the pandemic is the great equalizer. That's what Madonna said. She published a photo of herself in her milk bath with rose petals because she doesn't have to worry about money to buy food or the availability of food. So she could say that the pandemic is the great equalizer. I mean, it's a tad insensitive, but it is what it is, sadly, right? So social planners, social scientists are going to our governors and our city leaders, and they're telling our government, our federal government, that this is what is likely. You really, really thought, did we really sit down and think pandemic has not impacted every area of life? They're just now talking. We never thought about farming. We thought about manufacturing. We thought about everything else. GM and Ford and Chrysler are not making cars. We, we, we have to think about that. We have some governors who are recalcitrant. They, they want to open up beaches in Georgia. And in Florida, we saw where the governor was late to call shelter in place. And now you have hundreds of people lined up to file for unemployment in a state that is so racist at its core, it doesn't even have to, the ability to file for unemployment online. Like you have to have specific types of computers that nobody makes anymore with specific types of internet browser like Microsoft Internet Explorer. Because they did that to prevent black and brown people from filing for unemployment because they're racist to the core and believe that black and brown people are lazy. So now white people in Florida can't get work and have to line up in Hialeah, Florida, hundreds around a band in a parking lot to file for unemployment, something that you should be able to do from your home to prevent people, what, gathering in large groups. This is, what, this is why racism does not make sense. When you look at racism, these abject policies, they're sort of like a descendant of Jim Crow laws. Do you understand what I'm saying? It, it, the South is still the South. I will never live in the South, man. I, I can't do it because this is evocative of Jim Crow laws that were designed to oppress people of color, black people in particular, just because you don't like them because of the color of their skin. We got to get over that. And if we better get over it quick, fast, and in a hurry because the people who are producing our food are brown people. And they're in fields in California. And they're in farmland all over this country. And they're getting sick. And a country that hates them and reviles them, a country that disregards them, are the same people they're working to feed. And here we are calling them shithole countries. And we're calling them murderers and rascals and rapists. But yet they're the ones producing the food that we eat. We need to stop this. This is unpleasant to the core. And guess what? It's blowback in our face because guess what? All of a sudden, it's hip to be a farmer. We thought we didn't need them. Oh, and we thought we didn't need farm workers. 
guess who they are? We also thought we never needed uh, people who just got out of jail. Guess who a lot of truck drivers are? If nothing else comes out of this virus, is the fact that we all need each other and that we are dependent on one another. We are a society, and what society means. We are all a part of one another, interlocking and interwoven. I know that having money provides layers, and maybe that's why I'm not rich. Maybe that's why God made sure that I was reduced to nothing so that I would never see myself as being better than others or think that because I have layers of protection, that means I don't have to think about the plight of others. I never understood it. I was angry about it, and now I get it. I would never have the level of compassion I have now if I were still there. But thanks be to God, he leveled me so that now I can see what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes. And I am telling you, when I look at how we are, we look bad. We're ugly in how we treat other people whom we think we're better than. I was reading on my Twitter feed when this first started that people who hire, uh, you know, house cleaners, people who come to clean your house, they were like, are you still paying your house cleaners? Because when they were, they weren't furloughed, they just weren't working. A lot of house cleaners they realized are people who are dependent on them for living. So if you don't pay them, they can't pay their rent, they can't buy food for their families. Hello. So now people realize how important it is that we're all interwoven and connected. Now people realize that there is a level and a measure of humanity that we all must exercise in this situation. In America, we're lacking it. We need to be more empathetic. It seems to me that people who are very wealthy, a report on Forbes magazine yesterday said that 224 billionaires have lost a couple billions. So their net worth has been reduced. And I'm like, and? If they still have billionaire attached to the behind their name, they haven't lost Jack. What about people who have lost everything? And it seems to me that the more layers there are between people, it's reflected in our politicians who don't have any measure or understanding of what it means to have to figure out how you're going to feed the baby, how you're going to feed yourself. We have forgotten what it takes. There are seniors right now who didn't buy their meds because they had to go panic shop and buy food to store up. I I ain't kidding you. I don't have a generator because I don't like generators because in a previous experience I had a generator and it scared me. But last night there was a thunderstorm in my area. It was all over Southeast Michigan. I said prayers. I didn't know I had a prayer life like that. I did not know I could pray like that. I prayed to the God of heaven and earth. Please do not let the power go off. I prayed to the God of heaven and earth. Please do not let the storm turn the power off on nobody. Jesus, please. We all went out and bought food, Jesus, because we can't. And now the food is not available in the stores. If the power goes, we're going to lose. I pray, I tell you, I, I kid you not. I didn't know I had a prayer life like that. I didn't know I could pray like that. You should have seen me when the thunderstorm. I ran to my bedroom. <laughs> I was on my knees. Like, God, please help us, Jesus. Please don't forget. I, I kid you not. You see what has happened to me? 
You see what I'm saying? I know how empathy. No, the more layers I have, if I had a generator, I probably wouldn't need to pray. I wouldn't pray about others or think about others. I would just say, sucks to be you because you don't have that. Right? Have you been in the grocery store and seen people struggling to buy food? Like they're actively making a decision. Can I, should I buy that or should I buy laundry detergent? Should I buy that or should I do that? These are the facts. I know some, of, so, some people who listen to me are politicians and, and, and policy brokers. I know they listen to me. They send their people to come and listen. So I'm sending you a message to go back and tell them. Tell them that I said we're not looking good right now. And we need to have a measure of empathy for others. We're going to make some choices about how we're going to move forward. There are some things that have to change. We're going to have to become more appreciative of people whom we think we're better than. First of all, we're not better than anybody. One thing I know about the queen is she understands if she's not nice to the person who brings her coffee, they can sip something in the coffee that can make her sick. You're just as vulnerable. And when you understand that, then you understand. The president is the president, but he owns hotels and golf. He forgot about that. The people who work there are largely undocumented illegal immigrants with just a taxpayer identification number because that's the only people who do those kinds of jobs in America. Because the rest of us, we're too good for that. You see what I'm saying? And so those folks, you are vulnerable because they have to clean your toilet after you pee and poo in it. They have to wash your dirty sheets after you lay on it. They have to clean your room and vacuum your carpets and vacuum your drapes and all the trappings of your success that make you feel like you're a king sitting on a golden uh, toilet throne. And you eat of golden plates. You're still vulnerable. Let me give you, tell you, remind you of a story. Remember when kings and queens ruled the world? The king used to have a what? A taster. Every day, someone was assigned to the king that every time he would eat, somebody would taste the meal to see if it would poison him. That person is a do-or-die situation. It means that the king recognized that he was ultimately vulnerable to the people who serve him. Because if he doesn't serve them right, they're going to, what, turn over on him. So the king recognized that he couldn't just be authoritarian and tough. So he said, well, I can't trust people's feelings. So the, there was the taster assigned. The person's job was to taste everything that the king was going to eat. If they died, that means whoever prepared that meal intended to kill the king. We need to come back to the place where we recognize our humility, that we are vulnerable to forces of change. We need to come back to the place where we recognize that we are no better than the next person. We're not greater than the next person. I know that in today's world, we see ourselves on the back of books. Yeah, my name face on the back of books. I've headlined. I've been a keynote speaker. You can start, you know, I find myself in magazines. I've been written about in newspapers. None of that means anything to my humanity. If I'm not humane enough to consider the plight of someone who can't speak for themselves or who can't do anything, then what am I? I'm a waste. My life is just a vapor. And I want us all to remember that as we go forward, that the farm workers who work hard to feed us, they fear getting sick, but they can't stop working because if they do, we're going to stop eating. It's that simple. 
they recognize their place in the food chain. That if I, as much as I feel sick, if I don't go out into this, into this ground today and onto this land and pick that tomato and pick those strawberries and take those onions out of the ground, and if I don't go there and pick those oranges and wash them off, people won't eat. It's that basic. It's just like the healthcare workers. They're sick. My, my, my cousin who, my, who works in New Jersey, when I spoke to her a few days ago, she's tired. But she says, I, I says, cause I can't talk to you anymore. I got to go take a nap because I got to be at work at 11 tonight and I got to go to work. That's what makes us great. That used to be what makes us great. We stopped paying attention to that. What we became were people who were arrogant. And we liked the image of ourselves. Even our preachers have gotten that. We've gotten the humility of Jesus Christ. Nobody said you had to bow down before anybody. That's not what humility is. It's having a recognition in your spirit that I need this person to survive. And you treat them as if they're valuable. Not that you are better than them and that you are stronger and you have more money and you have more power. It's useless. I guess for me, I had to be humbled and brought low, lower everybody else around me so that I could understand and appreciate who I am and that I could see from here when I look up, I am like, wow. I never knew what it was until I had no makeup. My hair looked a mess. I didn't look like anybody and had to go look for help and to be treated as if I were nothing and nobody. Trust me, it's humbled me. So now I have to look in. I have to examine myself. Do you really do your best, Harriet? Did you really try to help that person? Did you really try to make a difference in that person's life? So now I'm extra careful. I greet folks. Hey, how's it going? How are you doing? The person I go out to eat, the person who is serving me, I make them, I talk to them as if they're the most important person in the world on that day. The person who comes to my house to work. Hey, how is it going? How are you doing? Do you understand what I'm saying? I go to get my car fixed. Hey, how's it going? Hey, I have this problem. I don't know how to do this. What do you think? I have learned that lesson. I think we all need to go back to basics. We need to get back to basics and start learning how to be human again. That way we won't have to worry. Because farmers haven't forgotten. They're conscious that if they don't get up and go to work, we won't eat. If they don't go out there and take care of that cow, we won't get milk to give the baby. If they don't go out there and pick those fruits and vegetables, we won't get anything. If they don't, the ones who work in meatpacking plants, did you hear that in Colorado, most of the folks who worked in this meatpacking plant, over 15% of people who work there have, have the virus, tells us. They're not going to go to work. We're going to have an interruption in meat supply. I don't know about you, but you've been in the grocery store lately. There's no ground beef. It's gone. There's no steak. There's no, you know, and you, this, this is the rest of us. Oh, 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 oh. We need to get back to basics. Just like the nurses on the front line. The nurses, they touch the people. The doctors who are intubating people, that's all they're doing. They're just clearing airways. All physicians right now, that's all they're doing. 
is clearing airways to help people so you don't go on the ventilator. Because most of the time when folks do get on the ventilator, they rarely ever come off. When you see somebody who has come off a ventilator in the COVID crisis, shout hallelujah. And yet these doctors, at incredible personal price, they can't touch their families. They have to sleep in separate rooms. They can't talk to their, you know, it's, it's all distant. Incredible price to pay. All these doctors and nurses, the people who work on the front desk of floors, they're all part of the process. Because when it's a crisis, all hands are on deck. The people who take blood, who have to come in and do blood tests, the people who come in and do an x-ray scan, we've forgotten about those people. They became nameless because they weren't on the pages of Forbes magazine. They weren't on the pages of Entertainment Night. This is recalibrating for real. We need to get back to basics. And we need to start honoring and respecting the people who make a difference so we can eat, so we can breathe. We need to start. And most importantly, we need to look up higher to the God of heaven and earth and humble ourselves right here. Not sit there and say, I don't believe in God. No, no, no. Just sit there and say, you know something? I haven't thought about this in a while, but there's got to be something going on. Where is God in all of this? Is this to get my attention? I want to thank you so much. My name is Harry Kimmick. Thank you for being a part of my show. For more information on who I am and what I do, please visit my website at harrykimmick.com, as well as visit my page on Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, as well as on iHeartRadio and so on. I thank you so much for being a part of my experience. Continue to wash our hands, wear a mask, and for the love of God, it's a beautiful day. Please stay home today. Please, I'm begging you, for the love of God, to keep us all safe. And while we're at it, say a prayer tonight. And thank God for farm workers. Pray that they're healed and whole and well so the rest of us can continue to eat. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much, Facebook. You all are the best. You know that? <laughs> I love you all. Thanks so much. Uh, my glasses fell on the ground, and I, you know, I have 50-plus your eyes. Hey, Cheryl Stevenson, how are you, my love? Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Thank God we're still here. Thank you so much. Be blessed, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.